0: Welcome to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast. I'm your host Ruth Dale, with over 20 years experience delivering behaviour change marketing across NHS, public health, local government, central government. I work directly on some of the biggest campaigns such as Change for Life, as well as working on much more focused campaigns with some of our most vulnerable members of our communities. I know how hard it is to take the theory and the science and apply it frontline whilst delivering under such pressure with such huge expectations. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking the wonderful world of behavioral science, the wonderful world of social marketing and design thinking, and any other clever stuff that helps us communicate change, influence behavior, and ultimately increase our impact. Sound good? Let's dive in. So we are delighted to welcome into the studio today, Nancy Harhut. Nancy is the author of Using Behavioral Science in Marketing to Drive Customer Action and Loyalty by Prompting Instinctive Responses. I'm holding the book in my hand because it's absolutely fantastic. Nancy is also the Chief Creative Officer for the HBT agency, which stands for Human Behavior Trigger. So Nancy is actually out there in the real world. She's a marketer doing this stuff, using behavioral science to get incredible results for her clients. So we are super delighted to have you in the studio, Nancy. And just before we dive in, I just want to say to everyone, this is simply the best book. If you are using behavioral science and you're in an internal communicator, using behavioral science in marketing is the textbook. You need to put it on your desk. You need to reference it for every project. It's absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for writing it, Nancy. I do wish you'd written it 10 years ago, please. That's the only thing I can say because it's that good but thank you and do please say hello. Oh, well
1: thank you so much. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for those kind words. I, you know, I wish I had written the book earlier. If I had been able to do it faster, I would have, but the intention really was to provide some, you know, hands-on examples for people to to take and run
0: with. So, thank you very much. Oh no, my pleasure. And just so I know you, Nancy, because I follow you on LinkedIn, I read your books, but perhaps our listeners don't know you. So could you please introduce yourself a little bit and tell us one thing that no one knows about you?
1: Sure. So uh, my name is Nancy Harhat. I'm the co-founder and chief creative officer of HPT Marketing. And I have been in marketing for basically my entire career. I came up as a copywriter. And that's always going to be my first love. And uh, perhaps the one thing nobody knows about me is when I was very young, when I was a child, my parents had me take accordion lessons and I was horrible. I was absolutely (laughs) horrible. I could not kind of coordinate the keyboard with one hand and the basses with the other hand. I was just absolutely horrible. But the one thing people don't know is I still have the accordion upstairs in the attic. And every once in a while, I'll pull it down and I'll plunk out a tune. And that's something that I've never admitted
0: to publicly. Oh, amazing. So can we hear you anywhere? Do You, you don't play for anyone or? No. In fact, I only play if there's no one else in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And sorry, when you said you were a copywriter, suddenly this book fell into place. Because in the book, there's so much advice on copy. I have written down so many notes. And yeah, you can really tell, you know, you make it so practical and you actually take the science right through to, you know, the email copy, the subject line and you know, you talk about marketing real estate. And I, as a marketer by trade, I'm like, yay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they tell you
1: to write what you know. And, you know, so I've, I've used these tactics. I've put them into practice. I've seen how they work. I've experimented with them. And, and so that's what I wrote about because that's what I have the firsthand knowledge of.
0: Yeah. And so could you share a little bit about why you think that behavioral science is even important in marketing for anyone that might be on the fence and they're thinking, I haven't got time to think about it. You know, why, why did you go down this road? What's made you so brilliant at it? And what's made it so special, do you think?
1: Well, you know, I think that we need behavioral science. Like in, in marketing, we think if we get the right message to the right person at the right time, we're all set. But if we stop there, we're stopping short because we need to do a little bit more. We need to get the right message to the right person at the right time in the right way. And when I say in the right way, what I mean is we need to serve it up in a brain-friendly way because there's a lot of scientific research that shows that people rely on decision-making shortcuts or decision defaults, certain automatic, instinctive, reflexive responses. And we as marketers need to get out ahead of that, because if we know that someone is more likely to do X if they're you know, encountering Y, then we should make sure they encounter Y. You know, we should make sure that we add into our strategies and our creative executions, the triggers or prompts that are going to send people in the direction that we want them to go in. There's, you know, there's no magic wand, there's no magic bullet. We can't make people do something they don't want to do, but we can encourage people, motivate people, make them more likely to do what we want them to do. And and behavioral science is what allows us to do that. It allows us as marketers to increase the likelihood that someone will notice our message, really understand our message, respond to our message and remember
0: our message. Okay. That's incredible. So just thinking about the triggers, Nancy, you mentioned how do we find out what our audience's triggers are? How do we know if we've got a brief and we know we're trying to influence a decision? Is there any particular way that you sort of start a project and you think, right, I need to understand these automatic responses and really get to grips with the audience's triggers?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most important things in a creative brief is a section that I call the, the barriers and the levers. And basically what we do is we look at why somebody won't want to do what we're asking them to do. A lot of times marketers are thinking about here are all the reasons you should do what I'm gonna ask you to do. Here are the, you know, the, the reasons why this is good for you. And and there's you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but we also try to take things a step further and we think about why someone won't want to do what we're gonna ask them to do. And then we think about the best arguments or levers to overcome that. You know, the best way to make an argument to convince you you should be doing something when you're thinking you don't want to. So, you know, based on that, we'll look at, I think in the book, I I list about 25 of my go to behavioral science principles. And there are many more, but these are the 25 that I have a tendency to return to over and over again because they've worked for my clients. And so you think about, okay, why? You know why might someone not want to do this, and then you look at the various behavioral science principles we have available to us, and we start to form a, a hypothesis or a best guess that this one and this one and possibly this one are the best suited to overcome that argument. And then we put them in the market and we test, and whichever one is working the best is the one that we end up rolling out. So it's basically thinking about why won't someone want to do this? And what's the best way to overcome
0: that that objection? I love that. So just changing the question a little bit it's not the product benefits it's not the reason often we think people should do things actually turning it on its head a little bit and asking them why they won't do it or framing that in sort of brainstorming and then looking at which of the behavioral science principles will help reduce those barriers is that yeah I mean mean?
1: sure you might uh, you know you might say okay we're um We've got this new product that we want people to buy. And why may they not want to buy it? Well, you know, we start to think about it and we go, well, they may not want to buy it because they've never heard of us before because we've never offered a product in this geography. We've moved to a new geography. They've never heard of us. So they may, you know, not want to buy it because they don't know us, or they may not want to buy it because they think it's too expensive, or they may not want to buy it because they they think that, you know, every provider is just like everyone else and their current solution is fine, you know. So mm. there are, those are three different reasons why someone may not want to make a purchase. And, you know, if, if you have the, the time and the budget to do some market research, great. If you don't, you know, maybe you talk to your customer service representatives or your salespeople and you, you know, say, well, what are you hearing when, when people call or when you call on people? And and if you're, if you don't have that available, maybe you read some reviews that, you know, or posts that customers have made about your product and maybe you can glean some things from that. Or maybe just, you know, because you've worked at that company and with that product for a while, you have a sense, you know, you know that you're more expensive than the competition or you know that you're brand new in this particular marketplace. And so people don't know you, but you kind of zero in on what the, you know, probably the number one guess is in in your opinion, that's going to hold someone back. And then you say, okay, if you know if they don't know me, well, maybe I want to use the authority principle. I want to point to the fact that the Better Business Bureau endorsed us, or the American Dental Association endorsed us, some some authority. Or maybe we want to use social proof, customer testimonials. Other people like you have used the product and they're happy with it. Or if you know they think the piece, you know, the product is too expensive, you know, we might want to look at ways to make the price seem more affordable. Whether we express it using magnitude encoding process, you know, sometimes. Uh, how much space a price takes up translates to how big it is. So five two point zero zero takes up more space than five two. So you know we say it's fifty two dollars and we say five two, we don't say five two point zero zero, you know because it it makes mm-hmm. it seem smaller. Or there was a test where a company was gonna have to charge five dollars for shipping. They were adding a $5 shipping fee and they framed it as either a $5 fee or a small $5 fee. When they framed it as a small $5 fee, they got a 20% increase in sales. So, you know, you might look at different ways to kind of address the fact that people think you're too expensive. Or if people feel like, well, you know, my my current solution is is fine. I don't need to try something else. Maybe we introduce the idea of loss aversion, the things that you're going to lose out on if you don't Make the decision to come to us. You're not going to get our proprietary technology. You're not going to get our award-winning customer service. You know you're going to be left behind. You're going to lose out on these things that you could only get if you give us a try. If you make the move, so you know. Again, we figure out what our best guess is, and yeah. then we look at the various uh, behavioral science tactics and principles that we have at our disposal to
0: to try to overcome that barrier. And then I heard you say the words "test it." The magical words actually take the time to test to see if it works.
1: Well, I, you know, I come from a, a you know a, a long line of uh, testing. You know, I started my career in, in direct marketing, okay. which was less about building the brand and more about you know changing behavior in the moment. You know, brand will change attitude and awareness over time, but direct marketing would change your behavior in the moment. And so it was all about testing. You know, what's going to work? Yeah. and Maybe uh, you know, try these different things, and when you find find the thing that does work, that's what you roll out. That you you put into the larger marketplace.
0: Yeah, and honestly, we're not great at testing. I'm not speaking on behalf of suddenly everyone who's listening, but in this sort of public sector, we are often, the timelines are so short that testing does fall out of the window a little bit. And I think if anything, behavioral science just shines a light on that. It just cannot, we cannot allow that to become the norm at all, especially when we've got all these amazing techniques that we can and should be trying. And you mentioned loss aversion there. I just want to flag your book a little bit because, so we talk about loss aversion a lot in health. And just to say to anyone, you have to read this book because just for the loss aversion chapter, I've got so many green, can you see this green highlights in here? And there's 10 different ways I noticed, I counted out the bullet points that you share on how to use loss aversion, many of which I hadn't thought of, and I've been using it for years. I was like, oh, that's genius. But also, I love how you introduced like the endowment effect with it. And I can't ever say this word, reciprocity. <laughs> but you, Reciprocity, yes. Yeah, that's the one. But in the book, it is really clear how they work together and how you can use them as a strategy together to embolden each other or strengthen the messaging or just, you know, the choice architecture of the messaging, which is brilliant. But I think my favorite thing is where you just highlight the mistake every now and then. So in your book, you've got a little box that says mistake and under loss aversion, it says turning every negative message into a positive one. Instead, mention the negative situation your product or service can help people avoid. So that is our biggest mistake in health. We are forever telling people what they shouldn't be doing or just we get can get a bit focused on the negative situation and actually without meaning to. I don't know, the nature of the work seems to take us there. So I did, I said giggle to myself a bit. I read that. I thought, yes, someone else is saying it. But also just as a technique throughout the book to really help, you know, pull out the key points. It's brilliantly helpful, I think. And so I'm just going to put you on the spot now because I didn't, uh, (laughs) I didn't say to Nancy before, but Nancy, could you share one of your case studies? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, you're not an academic, sorry, you might be an academic, but I mean, you're primarily a marketer doing this and you reference your work. And that's another thing that's different and brilliant is it's not just work from published research, it's actually work from clients, which we just don't also have enough of. So anyone listening, share your work, share your work, because it was just brilliant to hear the client work. So just putting you on the spot there, do you have like a a favorite client case study or is there a popular one in the book? It's hard to pick a, a favorite. That's like picking your favorite child and one, <laughs> one can't do
1: that. But uh, but I have um, one that I like very much and it involved a, a company that was offering voluntary benefits. So when you're at work, you can, you know, at work, they give you, you know, a certain amount of life insurance, for example, but then you can choose to buy other kinds of insurance, cancer insurance or accidental death insurance or disability insurance, things like that. And the idea is you get a a good rate on it and they just take the money right out of your paycheck to pay for the insurance. So the company's not paying for it but they're getting you a good price on it and they're helping you pay for it because they'll just automatically deduct it from your paycheck. And typically the way this works is the human resources professional will send out an email and say, the insurance representative is going to be here on such and such a date. So schedule an appointment, meet with the representative, hear about the various optional insurances that you can choose from. And if you're interested, you can get one. And basically what would happen is very few people would schedule an appointment. You know, they just wouldn't do it. So what we did is we, kind of flipped the script and we used some choice architecture. And we sent out an email and we said, we have scheduled your appointment for you. It's on this date, at this time, in this room. We'll see you there. If you need to reschedule, click this link. And what happened was we got a 418% increase in people showing up for the meeting because we wow. made it easy for them to do it. You know the, you know the in the old way you had to take action. You had to be the one who scheduled a meeting. In this case, you it required more action to get out of it. You know it was the easy way. The path of least resistance was simply to show up at the meeting. So there was that triple digit lift in meeting attendance, which resulted in a double digit lift in actual sales. So we got people to change their behavior and, and go to a meeting that could be beneficial to them. And yeah. sure enough, the more people that came, the more people that realized, gee, I should have some of these different policies and, and they purchased them. So that's one of
0: my my favorite case studies. Okay. And that's absolutely like, as soon as you said appointments, that is one of our hottest topics, missed appointments. So that's so relevant. I know it's a different subject, but it's still so relevant. And you mentioned choice architecture there. Just really quickly, could you explain choice architecture in messaging? Because I think there can be some misunderstanding that actually, if you opt out that of choice architecture, you're not doing it. Does that make sense? Choice architecture had a bit of a negative press over here and people didn't like to feel like they were manipulating people. Yeah, it's not given, I don't think, as much attention as it deserves. So, it's wonderful if you could share a little bit what is choice architecture and the actual messaging structure.
1: Sure. So, so all of us really are are choice architects when you think about it. There, there really is no neutral way to present information. You know how information is presented influences how people decide about it, and that's that's essentially the at the core of choice architecture. How you present you know options or choices determines or influences the decisions people make about them. So in this particular example, you know, it used to be the default was call to schedule a meeting. And we just turned that around and we said, we've scheduled your meeting for you. Call if you want to change it or if you don't want to go. So in in both cases, the message had a choice architect. In the first case, the choice architect was saying, all right, you're going to have to schedule your own meeting. And in the second, instance, the choice architect was saying, well, we'll schedule it for you. We'll make it easy, but you can always get out of it. And I think that's the key with choice architecture, because you're right. People do not want to feel manipulated. And if, if they do feel their hand is being forced, they're going to react against it. But this was, you know, they could still get out of it. We just made it easy for them to do what theoretically they should be doing. You know, it's, it's yeah. a good thing to at least know what your options are, and then you can make your choices. So it's good to be informed. So we made it easier for them to be informed, easier for them to get the information. But we didn't force them to attend the meeting. They could easily get out of the meeting. And and certainly we didn't force them to purchase anything. But I think the thing about choice architecture is, you know, we have to remember that people will take the path of least resistance. So as marketers, it's good if that path of least resistance leads them to where we want them to go but we don't force them. We don't lock them in. We always you know, provide a, a way out. So I think that's probably the, the most succinct way to describe it and, and to explain
0: yeah. it. That's does, that, brilliant. does that make sense? Yeah. No, thank you so much. I didn't want to interrupt you there. I was thinking, oh, that's fantastic. Quotes because you've just explained it. So there's something about just understanding the principle that we are all choice architects. If we are writing copy, then you are a choice architect. And so you have the choice whether to understand behavioural science to really increase the impact and use these techniques or just, you know, design it as you always would. And I love it about the path of, you know, least resistance. So if we can get them to actually turn up to their appointments... It'd be amazing over here to get people to stop missing their healthcare appointments. It costs the NHS an absolute fortune. (laughs) So uh, there is a huge, huge push in techniques and exploring ways to get people to turn up. So thank you so much for that, Nancy. And also the most perfect case study. Now, we just always like to end each episode asking people for their one book that changed their life. And I know it's a really hard question because it is one book. So Nancy, please, could you share? What one book changed your life?
1: It is a tough question, but I think I would have to say it was Robert Cialdini's Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. I think that was the first book I read that introduced me to behavioral science. And uh, I read that. I loved it. I made margin notes and highlighted and it just sent me down the rabbit hole. You know, that took me to, you know, from that book to another book to another book to, to starting to experiment and, and to where I am today. So I would say that that is the, uh, that's the book.
0: So absolute classic, everyone go and check out Influence, but after and only after you have read Using Behavioral Science in Marketing by Nancy, I promise you, you will keep it and use it for every project in your near future. Thank you so much for coming on, Nancy. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ruth. It's been my pleasure. Thank you again.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And if this has piqued your curiosity and you want to shift away from problems into solutions, you want to explore how to use behavioral science in your marketing, head on over to the new boot camp. So we have the next bootcamp on the 7th of June. It is at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk forward slash boot Now, for anyone that doesn't know, the bootcamp days are jam-packed. We cover the foundations of behavioural science. We explore behaviour change models, such as Combi, But we also look at techniques that you can apply the next day in your comms and marketing and project plans. It is a very, very busy day. There is an awful lot. We call it the Kickstarter because... Then once you've been through the boot camp, you are kickstarted into the masterclasses. So everyone who's been through Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp also has free access, free lifetime access to our masterclasses and the on-demand videos. So all of our content is supported through an on-demand training portal, which is personalized for you. And there is an app, which I always forget to mention, as well as masterclasses, because we know that actually it's one thing learning and reading this stuff but applying it when you're really really busy working under tremendous pressure is another thing so we want to help you do that and i'm so excited so the boot camp is on the 7th of june then on the 11th of june is our masterclass with professor robert west himself so he is the co-author of the behavior change wheel A Guide to Designing Interventions. He is an expert on motivation. So this is a masterclass in understanding your audience's motivation using behaviour change theory and behavioural science And so, Professor Robert West is like the king of combi or the father of combi because he co-authored it. So we are so excited. He's going to do an exclusive workshop for boot campers. So the invite will go out to anyone who has been in the training. There are limited spots because it's not a webinar, it is a workshop, but there should be enough. There should be enough for everyone and it's all recorded as well so you can get it on demand if you can't make it that day. So super exciting, June. and We're delighted to have him. Thank you, Professor Robert West. And also there is a podcast, actually, if you want to hear more from him or you want to explore Combi a little bit more, do check him out. He sort of kickstarted our year for us, which was amazing. Thank you so much. It's episode 37. But also, if you are a boot camper... Don't forget, there's a new Combi Canvas that we've started using, a great little tool that will help you apply the theory as well. So that's in your training portal. Okay, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And if you are interested, your curiosity is piqued. head over to www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk forward slash bootcamp or just DM me. Thank you so much for listening. We're so delighted you joined us. And if you got any value out of this at all, or even if you just simply had a little chuckle, please do share it with anyone you think it may benefit. And please, if you do leave a review, oh my gosh, we would be forever in your debt. The algorithms on podcasts are pretty tough and reviews do make all the difference. So please do head over onto your platform and leave us one. And also, if you need to know anything about our latest training or you just want to get in touch, head over to our website, which is www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk forward slash bootcamp.